What's up, Wisconsin? Welcome back to the Inside Wisconsin Show. Trevor, mm-hmm. John, YouTube, Podcast Land. J.A., it's the dog days of no sports. And so today's guest is a perfect fit to talk about what happens this time of year. Uh, I laugh because you are my dad all over again. He, he oh. used to call it the period of darkness. And I'm like, there's no sports. You're right. The NBA's playing. Baseball's about to start. Uh, the NHL's in full swing. College basketball, yeah. we're headed toward March Madness. And there's nothing going on because the Packers <laughs> are done playing and the Super Bowl is over. And now and I want just, the Brewers in the worst way. We are just in a dark uh, ether of nothingness. Nothing screams you are a Packer, a Packer yeah. fan like that, you know? And apparently there, there are people, though, that are quite busy this time of year. So Andrew Brandt is yeah. going to join us on today's episode. Andrew is a sports business guru. We'll talk to him about this, but he spent some time as I call it the money man. He was what? the money man for the Green Bay Packers. And apparently this time of year is quite busy for these guys. Yeah, I tell you, he's fascinating in not only what he did in his about a decade here with the Packers, but what he's done since then. And I think it's amazing. And I talk to this about kids that want to get into sports broadcasting all the time because they love sports. They love sports. And I say, you know, you got to there's a lot of actual um, you know, you need to have some journalism. You got to have your chops because all these stories that you hear business wise or stadiums is like it's it's the same as like doing a school board meeting or if somebody's trying to sign a new CEO at Briggs and Stratton, all this stuff. And we think, God, that's the most boring stuff in the world. But if we attach sports to it, then let's talk about a half cent sales tax. And it's phenomenally exciting. Or let's talk <laughs> about, you know, how do we somebody who's making X amount of dollars over this many years? And you're like, if it's if it was a teacher contract, we'd be like, wait, the, the, the CBA for the NBA, the the NFL, I'm all in. And so he is, uh, he's fascinating in that. And um, he's in a lot of, a lot of spots, Andrew is in what he does, whether he's teaching, whether he's in the media, whether he's just tweeting out things. Uh, But I find that it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. And it it doesn't need a helmet and it doesn't need a football. And yet it is fascinating stuff. Behind the cheddar curtain with former front office Packers exec, Andrew Brandt on the Inside Wisconsin Show. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, and the University of Wisconsin Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. Of all of the titles that we could choose to introduce Andrew Brandt, we went with sports business guru and former Packers front office bigwig. That's what we'll talk about. <laughs> Andrew Brandt, thanks for being here on Inside Wisconsin. Oh, great to be with you guys. And I appreciate it. As I said to you off air, that uh, I got a lot of titles. I got a lot of jobs, so I really don't have to have a real one. That's really <laughs> the, the point of having a lot of jobs. <laughs> but uh you know, I'll just start right away. When I left the Packers, what I wanted to do with my career was kind of like thought of as crazy by a lot of people, uh, which is leave a high prestige, high paying job in an NFL storied franchise. But I wanted to do two things. I wanted to do media and academia. I wanted to pull the curtain back on what really goes on in sports having been an agent for many years, having been a team executive for many years, just sort of really 
telling people what it is that they should know about sports from a business, legal, deeper policy. And that's what I've been trying to do here for the last, you know, 13, 14 years. What do you think the fascination is with it? Because people eat it up, right? We used to like 40 times and now we're like, we want dead, dead money. info. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm a little part of that. You know, when I started coming on ESPN and things like that, I don't think anyone was talking about that. But I just think that NFL, especially other sports as well, but people just want more and more and more. And as we talk here in, in February, we are in a beginning of a seven month stretch, seven months <laughs> without real games. And I, I don't count preseason as real games. So what are you going to talk about? And this is what we talked about. And John, as you know, my entry into national sports media came at a fortuitous time for me personally, because I'm just getting out of the Packers. I'm doing some media, you know, some academia, but guess what? All four sports leagues, Major League Baseball, Hockey, Basketball, and, and more prominently the NFL, were entering these labor strikes where they either strike or lockout in 2011. And guess what? They needed somebody to explain this to America. <laughs> Why aren't they playing? What's the problem? What does the lockout mean? What does the strike mean? Why? What's collective bargaining? You know, and so I was right place, right time. And that's how it started getting more popular. How much has that changed since you started with the Packers in 99? I would imagine just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, you know, again, what I was doing with the Packers, I don't think people much cared about. They knew there was this cap. They knew there were people like me called capologists, but I don't think it was in the national consciousness. I think, you know, kind of like the way I tell it all the time, you know, you, you're, you're sort of counted on to do it. <laughs> and, and if people want to get fascinated by it, great. But my job with the Packers was to allow football operations to do what they do, and I'll handle the financial side. That that was sort of the role. Like, scout who you want, sign who you want, draft who you want, we'll cut who you want, we'll figure out a roster the way you want. I'll do it. You know, I'll figure it out. That's really what it was. I feel it's, it's very much – the the business sort of specialists like yourself this has followed a little of the mel kuyper uh model in that it, there was a little bit of it with the draft and now people are insatiable what is it you think that is appealing about these inner workings you know john i think that there's an obvious uh fascination with fantasy sports and part of the reason there's a fascination with fantasy sports is that you, me, Joe Blow, anyone can be a general manager and they can draft these teams and put together this mishmash of players that they think will outperform other people's mishmash. But part of that is also extends, I think, to the to business side. You know, a lot of these fantasy leagues have caps, you know, and I think that turns people on as well. It's just this idea that you, Joe Fan, can be a general manager, not only in picking players, but I'm managing the finances of it. And I just sort of throw out things on Twitter all the time. And I'm surprised by some of the, some of the reaction, like, yeah, they want to know more. They get it. They understand it. And like you said, it has grown. 
incrementally over the last 15 years. Yeah, like my son's not just in a fantasy league, he's like in a legacy fantasy yeah. league. And you know, like it's it is it's crazy how the people want to get closer and closer and closer. So right now, as we speak here in February, and you said we've got this long dark days, what's happening in the organization? right now that that's sort of uh, uh what's grist for the mill that they're trying to get done before draft and the start of the new year and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, this was, let me just say this in my careers as an agent, as a team executive, and now media analyst, this is the busy time. It's counterintuitive players and coaches. They're done. Right. <laughs> they're done. So, and front office, me included, we would close the book on say 2023 on kickoff in September, basically you're done. <laughs> so front office is basically done. Now I did some extensions in season. I had to manage the cap, but it's basically just churn at the bottom of the roster. There's really very little to do other than bring in injury replacements and manage that during the season. Maybe that's a dark secret, but <laughs> front office, little to do during the season. Coaches, little to do in the off season. Players gone. So <laughs> What front offices are doing on two counts, number one, which I was not involved with, but this gets a lot of fascination from people, is the scouting side. From the time the All-Star Games end, which is mid-January, to they go to the Combine, which is late February. So that's like a 35-day period. That's the grind, right? In the Packers' case, all the area scouts come into Green Bay. Their only time of year, except a week during training camp. They all come in. They gather in that dark room with Gutekunst and they go through it. They grind from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. They grind for these 35 days, weekends, nights, etc. And they put together the all-important board. Mm -hmm. So that's the board. And by the time they leave for Indianapolis on February 24th or whatever it is, it's basically done. There'll be some combine freaks where like, oh my God, that 40 time is not what we expected. And Maybe you move from a low round, a low second round to a high second round, but not much. It's pretty much set. So that's the scouting side. On my side, the financial cap contract side, it's multiple scenarios with the GM. What if we cut this player? Will we have guaranteed money left? What about the dead money on this player? Where are we going on this position? If we draft a player high at this position, that's going to kick out someone. Is that someone going to be a veteran? How are we going to deal with that? all kinds of scenario planning. And then of course, the tenders for exclusive rights, free, free agents, the restricted free agents, and of course the unrestricted free agents, which is the most important category. If you are about to lose someone to free agency, this is the key time to make sure you don't, if that's your plan. And then you go to the combine in late February and literally I would set up shop in the hotel lobby and their chargers are over there and the Broncos are over there and the chiefs are over there, you know, and agents are just coming through John and Trevor. I went to 10 combines. I don't think I ever saw a workout. I never saw a workout. I was busy as hell those four days because you're negotiating with your agents for your players, extensions, keeping guys, but also other, other teams at players, not as much in green Bay, but other, I remember one time I was trying to get my player through his agent and his dance card was so full. I never had time for me. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm the team. You're tampering with all these other teams. <laughs> so that, that's what happens at the combine. 
everything you just said is why I absolutely suck at fantasy football because <laughs> I don't have any of that. I'm not a GM. You two might be able to be a GM. I cannot. I'm really, really bad at that. We mentioned off air that your daytime gig is at Villanova, right? And you yeah. live just outside of Philly. But for a, a solid part of your life, you spent about 10 years or so in Green Bay. How different is Green Bay for those watching that don't have any experience outside of Wisconsin? Well, I have to tell you, you know, I, I've told this story many times. I was an agent. I had no plans on being with a team, let alone a team in Wisconsin. Uh, I had just signed in 1999, 1998, the watershed client of my career. I was now hitting it big. Through a two-year recruiting process, I had landed Ricky Williams, the hottest thing in college football, running back University of Texas. I was with him the whole year. He won the Heisman. We celebrated. Uh, I signed him after the Cotton Bowl. We're moving around the world. I'm just hanging on, hanging on. And then, of course, he finds this group headed by a rapper named Master P mm -hmm. and wanted me to work for Master P. And I said, I don't know about that, but I had no other options until the exact same time within a day or two or same week, I'm getting calls from the Green Bay Packers. Now I dealt with the Packers on some players, no one of note. I had a third string quarterback there, one of my closest friends still, Matthew Hasselbeck. And I said, I can't deal with Hasselbeck. I said that to Ron Wolf. I'm busy. I got Ricky Williams. I got Master P. He says, we're not calling about Hasselbeck. I said, well, why are you calling me? He said, well, our coach, Mike Holmgren, just went to the Seattle Seahawks. And I said, okay, I watch SportsCenter. <laughs> and he said, he took Reinfeld. I said, what? He said, he took Reinfeld, our business guy. He took him to Seattle. I said, okay, I'm still not following. And he said, and then, you know, Ron's extremely direct. He said, well, what about you switching sides? How'd you like to switch sides? And I said, Green Bay? He said, yeah, come here. And I said right away, I said, Ron, you deal with 100-something agents. Why me? And he said, you know, you got a nice way of dealing with people. You know your way around this cap and contract stuff really well. Hasselbeck, and they love you. So we also want to get more agent friendly. You know, and what better way to hire an agent? And I said, well, let me come up there <laughs> and talk. <laughs> so I do. I, I, I think I'm in Austin, Texas, trying to hold on to Ricky. And I go up to Green Bay. I give up about 80 degrees. And it's the middle of winter. And I, you know, what a scene it is. And I sit with Ron and I actually asked this question. I can't believe I did looking back, but I did. I said, Ron, and I met Bob Harlan too. I said, listen, no offense but do I have to actually move here to do this job? <laughs> and they said to me very clearly, very calmly, no offense, no offense, but yes. <laughs> and I said, you know, then it was a negotiate with my wife and, you know, it was really more like, Hey, I've been chasing players at that time for like 12 years. And some of it's great. Some of it's a, a drag. The recruiting's awful. And Ricky was going to leave me. If he wasn't going to leave me, then he was going to leave because these top players, they leave you if you don't like the color of your tie, whatever. Mm -hmm. So he made the move, not so much uh, geographically, of course, but really about lifestyle. You know, we started a family, a young, young, one young baby at the time. So anyway, we did that. And 
my wife was a teacher, so this was February, and I was going to leave for six months on my own before she finished out the school year. So I stayed in the Midway Motor Inn. Uh, we had just hired a new coaching staff led by Ray Rhodes. I okay. shared a wall at the Midway with Ray Rhodes. The whole coaching staff was on our floor. We were all new, le learning. Well, Ray had been in Green Bay, but it was an experience. Uh, I had never seen anything like this, where I look out my window and people are pulling up to the stadium and genuflecting because uh, <laughs> they had, had arrived at Mecca of football. I had no idea. I mean, just so many stories I could tell. One, I, rent, I went to a banquet that first month or two, and I sit down. It's not at a restaurant. It's at something, well, everyone here knows, called a supper club. <laughs> and I have this big glass in front of me, and it is whole milk. <laughs> and every time I took a sip, there's someone coming over with a pitcher of whole milk to do that. I'm like, okay, this is not what I'm used to. Um, and so many little things like that. Like, well, this is different. I think Ron took me to lunch my first week. We go into this little, uh, it looked like a sandwich shop in the middle of a, like an office building or something. We each have a sandwich and a Coke or a soft drink. He gives the waitress a $5 bill, which I think is a tip. <laughs> And she comes back with change. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, we just had lunch for less than $5. Yeah. So these are the little things right away where I'm like, okay, this is going to be different. These are our people right here. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that when we, we say we want to be more agent friendly, it had still it had already passed from the famous Lombardi story when Jim Ringo said, talk to my agent. And he came back and he said, yeah, tell your client he's now an eagle. Um, when that relationship, you, you said recently the Packers, you wrote a, a, a little piece that I read about the Packers being a model franchise. Uh, why, why is that? Because I feel like there are times that it's structure sometimes can kind of get in the way, but why is it you feel it is the model franchise? Yeah. I mean, with the, with the ascension of Jordan Love and the way they've done this year, there's been a lot of attention on this idea that maybe it is the right way to run things. And I just boil it down pretty simply uh, from Ron to Ted Thompson, to Brian Gutekunst, from the board structure that allows football to do its thing and not get invested in it. I just think that slow and steady is the way. Uh, there's no quick fixes. Yes, we will step out and sign a Reggie White or, free, or a Charles Woodson at times, but it's draft and develop. It's trust your scouting. It's trust your coaches and make your coaches play and trust young players. And it's sign your core players to market extensions before they reach any cusp of free agency. It was a very simple plan, but simple isn't sexy. And sometimes these other teams get caught up in free agency or big names or marquee signings that don't work out. But, you know, it is a unique structure where there is no owner, as I knew so well. Um, John, I had an incredibly uh, awe-inspiring autonomy there 
but I didn't let it affect me. In other words, whether I did a contract for $5 million or $50 million, there was no one saying, hey, Andrew, that's too much mm-hmm. or that's too little. I was trusted to know that. And I treated doing contracts with the Packers and managing the cap as really a, working for a public trust where I was acting on behalf of these shareholders. And I felt a real responsibility, even though there's no owner, there's no, I mean, again, the scouting staff didn't know my world. So I appreciated the autonomy. I don't think any person in my position in the NFL has that because there's always someone over them. But I, I took it very seriously. I took it very seriously. And you were here in a, in a time when it went beyond the stockholders to the vote to get this sales tax and make sure we keep the Packers in Green Bay. What was that like behind the scenes? It's funny because I cover all these stadium constructions and public money going to these stadiums now and the hundreds of millions that the bills are getting from New York and the billion dollars that Nashville, Tennessee is getting from the state. And we went door to door for this 0.1% sales tax in Brown County. We got doors slammed in our faces. How could we do this? And again, All these teams, especially the Packers, are like, what's our leverage? The leverage is this perceived notion that somehow we're going to leave. No one's going (laughs) to leave. We weren't going to leave. The Bills weren't going to leave. The Titans weren't going to leave. You know, it's like it is this amazing ability for franchises to gain public money. But it was a fight. And in football mad Green Bay, I think we passed the, the referendum by 50 0.8% to 49.2%. So you see how hard that can be. But, you know, the owners are the fans, and I get that. And I'll say this, you know, when we first got there, my wife, my kids, it was beautiful. It was, people treat us like royalty, you know, they know everything about us. It's great. We go out, everybody talks to us. I have to say this, you know, it was the reason we felt like we had to go. The same reason that was so endearing, I just felt by nine, 10 years there, I felt like I could not go out of the house and not talk about the Packers. It became very, Mm -hmm. the walls started closing in. And Ron talked about this because Ron retired in my early years there. He just said, the walls will close in fast on you here. And then you start thinking about, well, Holmgren only lasted seven years and Ron nine years. And you know, no one really, it's, it, it wears on you, not in a bad way. The people are so kind. I love the people, but I felt like need a little bit more to talk about than the football team. By the way, we've had, we've had Bob Harlan on here and he's amazed because he said now the vote was 93 to seven in favor, <laughs> right? It was 50.8, but it's now up to 93.7 for wow. people that actually voted. <laughs> It's like the, the, the ice ball in 67. I think yeah. I met 300,000 fans that were there. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Exactly. All right, we'll take a break and wrap it up with Andrew Brandt in just a minute. The Inside Wisconsin Show. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, and the University of Wisconsin Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. It's a little weird to think that we are finishing season yep. three of Inside Wisconsin. And 
I guess I say that because nothing has changed with us. Sure, we we adapted the and show on our logo. But other than that, we've stayed tried and true to exactly what we did from day one. Well, and honestly, I think the people should know, I was not consulted on the the and the show thing. Yeah, that was yeah. strictly you unilaterally just deciding this is what's best for the business and shoving it down my throat. Okay. Which is fine. I, I, I think my response was, oh, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to have to rebrand a lot of your flannel shirts, but cool. All right. I'm down with it. I still have. So the reason, okay. All right. Nothing has changed with Miller Lite except the white. Uh, damn it. The white. Why do I always do that? I'm never going to be a not white, a white can. I know. It's weird. Roll up my sleeves. Love that thing. Nothing's changed with Miller Lite either. Let's see if I can do this. Yep, there's one there too. Okay. Perfect. However, yes, we adapted the show logo. But the reason I did that is because when you're holding a white can, nobody asks you what that is. If it looks like a beer can, a white sure. can, that's Miller Lite. This, people are like, what's inside of Wisconsin? And they had no idea it was a show. So I'm like, it's a YouTube show, but a podcast, but not. And it's video and just give Listen, me another light. If, you if you've got a brand and you have recognition, it's it's uh, again, it's like when I talk about people about here's what you got to do when you tell a really good story. Find the crux of it and then just beat it to death, right? Yeah. Kick it like a and that's the same thing. Here it is. Look, here's the white can, right? Tastes great, less filling. How far you want to go back, you know, like everything. Like here's yeah. what it is. This is how we identify it and it is unmistakable. That's what you want. Or sometimes you say things so that you're like, okay, I want to, I want to make sure that I am understood right to my audience. Yeah. You pull that out and now you can't be misunderstood, which is even more valuable. Right. I, I would like you to understand what I want to say, but you can, yeah, it's, there you go. You cannot I, be misunderstood when you, when you, when you hoist that thing. And you and I talked about when this happened, how it was supposed to be a temporary thing, right? They were just going to yep. go back to this. Yep. I knew it was no longer temporary, when they changed the signs on Lambeau Field at the middle of Light Gate, I'm like, "Whoop, that's sticking." Stick around. That's going. That's sticking. Think about it. What an idea! I don't know who the original guy was, but he should probably have won some sort of award, yeah. a Pulitzer or a Nobel Prize or whatever. Here, let's have beer. We'll just make it a little because Trevor's fat after the Super Bowl. Let's you know fewer calories. And it started yeah. with people like, "Oh, we'll do that." And the other thing is, name one thing that's like a diet soda. It tastes awful. Right? There's nothing that tastes good that's diet. That, less calories, drink it up. Big less fan. Calories. And this will be your surprise. I'm a diet soda guy. Shocker. You, you don't agree on another thing to eat. It's awful. Times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Inside Wisconsin, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Miller Lite keeps it simple. When I pulled that can off my shelf, mm -hmm. knocked down every single signed baseball that I have behind my head. So I got to do some cleanup. Be back in a second. You're a mess. In between segments with our guy Andrew Brandt on the Inside Wisconsin show. So fun to talk about the business side mm -hmm. of sports. Time for another top five list. Presented by Wisconsin's leaders in STEM, the University of Wisconsin Platteville. UW Platteville's exciting STEM programs make it a top university in Wisconsin and the Midwest region. In fact, UW Platteville is ranked in the top 20 for regional universities here in the Midwest. Find out more at uwplat.edu. 
So I mentioned it at the top, but it is like the dog days of sports in Wisconsin. I understand the Bucks are playing and the Badgers and Marquette, GB, obviously, Milwaukee. Can't you go shoot just, something this time of year? No, can't do that anymore. And okay. that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, it's, well, it's tough. My loves are uh, on the back burner at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was thinking about today's top five list, and I said, I wonder if it'd be fun to do a top five list of what Wisconsin sports fans do yep. during this time between the Super Perfect. Bowl and March Madness. So I'll run down my list, but you do it at the okay. same time. Here's my number five. Yeah. I wrote down, attempt to lose the weight you lost from January 1st to the day before the Super Bowl because I put on all the weight that I had lost sure. that one day. So okay. back back in the wagon. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's your Super number Bowl five. Day, well, let's is get back on the, Your number five is a diet. Healthy eat. Yes. Let's choose to eat healthier now before March Madness hits because it all goes to hell then as well. Got it. Because my number five was drink, 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 drink. And then I realized that's a whole top five. So we'll just make that honorable. I, I have a very similar one, only it's the opposite. And my number five is just I go into a cheese coma. <laughs> I just I swallow my feelings, and usually it's Colby Jack. Hey, we learned from our guy at uh, Carbless that cheese, good snack, low carbs. Mm -hmm. Big fan. Number four, consider buying a new grill before spring hits. The farm and fleet grill section is busy this time of year. Okay. I go back and forth. I want charcoal, and then I have charcoal, and I'm sick of buying charcoal, so then I get a gas grill. And now I have a Traeger, and I miss charcoal. And it's like, what? Whatever. How, uh, you, how do you feel about the big green egg? A buddy of mine talked to me about that this morning. Apparently, that is the, the cat's meow of grilling with, literally talked about it this morning, grilling with fire and yet having the smoker. He been told out me they're two grand, so that's why I feel about it. Yeah, been out a while, but yeah, it's a good way to make your turkey. Uh, my number four is I like to complain about the Brewers' lack of offense, and they haven't really even started yet. But that's uh, that'll that'll sustain me almost deep into September. Uh, okay. so I like to yeah, start too. early. Don't forget Don't opening day right around the corner, um, March twenty eighth at the Mets. What's sexier than the Brewers opening against the Mets Seriously. in New York? But anyway, yeah. So that's my number four. Isn't that where? Uh, isn't that where Stearns went? Yes. No, there's a story there. Whatever. Yeah. Number three, go to church twice a week and eat fish on Fridays and Wednesdays. Lent. Don't people it's do don't Lent. wait? Don't people do that all 52 weeks of the year? What am I missing not, in there? Not Wednesdays and not on no. We, not so no, it's that's the Lenten season. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, my number three is tearing up my NCAA bracket after the first day. <laughs> that's what I do during the off season. So, uh, in my defense, I do that because as you know, as mm -hmm. I fill out a bracket, uh, Kansas never gets out of the first round. Right. And so a lot of that's the end. So that's number three. Yeah. I just, yeah, fill out the bracket and then I tear it up. Number two, golf. The second, a course opens and lets somebody walk, even if it's 47 degrees and windy. Are you the shorts guy? I always tell, I always, we, everybody, every club has the shorts guy. doesn't matter what the temperature is, if he's playing, he has to wear shorts. Are you that no. guy? Okay, no, nope, absolutely not. Don't have to be that guy. Uh, my number two is always reminding people I would have very uh, I would have drafted Barry Sanders over Tony Mandridge. <laughs> the draft is coming up, and I'm like, listen, my la my first year in the business, all I did in the fall of '88 was follow Barry Sanders around and do all you know, cover all his games uh, as a photographer. And I'm like, that guy is different than anybody I've ever seen. And if they don't pick him that's going to be a, a big miss. And lo and behold, miss. 
there you go. But I've only been, you know, I've only been on that thing now, what, 36 years that they should have drafted uh, Barry Sanders. So that's what I do a lot. People are getting ready for the draft. The Packers need a corner right now. Are they going to go offensive yeah. line? I go, I don't know what that is, but I know what they should have done in 88. They just should have taken Barry Sanders over Tony Mandridge. The number one thing that Wisconsinites do between the Super Bowl and March Madness? Yeah. Leave Wisconsin. I wrote down, get the hell out of Wisconsin to someplace wow. where you can see the sun more than once a week. Man, you're hard on the on the on the state. It, well, this time of year, man, there's not a lot that we offer fellas that don't do well in the dark. I'll put it that way. I need to get someplace for spring break where the sun comes out more than once an right. hour at best. It's been a long I mean, I wow. saw the sun today, but it's been a minute before that. It's super gray here. Okay. Well, I see that. Like, you don't want to go into a shanty and wallpaper it with dirty pictures or anything like that. No. A lot of people like to do that. As you know, I that's a pick me up. I don't like the idea of falling through the ice. That scares right. the crap out of me. I don't do ice fishing. So that your is the number one, one thing, thing is actually to leave Wisconsin. In the, middle, in the middle of the winter, I came back to Wisconsin. Yes, you did. And it was gray. It was gray. It was terrible. I'll give you that. So uh, my number one thing I like to do is just go spear a sturgeon. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like just cut an ice, hole in the ice, give me that trident, and then just... Um, have you ever Tell tried to explain that. sturgeon spearing to people outside of Wisconsin or Upper Michigan? It's fantastic. Yeah. It is. Like I when I lived in Oklahoma and I tried to tell people... Like, no, literally. And then you get this fish and you pull it out and it's literally like related to a dinosaur <laughs> and some over a hundred years old. And then you try to explain to them that, you know, there are certain rules because, you know, Native Americans can, uh, they have different fishing rules than, than other people. Mm -hmm. And, and you're like, you just, you just, you stand there in the ice and you hope one swims by and you see a shadow and then you just go like that and pull it out. And people are like, that's not a, th I'm like, it's a thing that happens. And then now on the internet, you can find it. And they're like, that's you guys are absolutely cave people bonk right bonkers yeah have house will travel so that's my favorite thing uh to do is just try to get out there and spear me a sturgeon i know you like to sit in trees and stuff i want i just like to spear sturgeon you've never done that right not once would you oh my god yes i could yeah, be all and i and you know i hate fishing with a passion right but that's that not awesome. fishing that's because that's not fishing that's that's just that's literally, you know, it's, yeah, that is, uh, that is just primal stuff. Like, I feel like all of us at some point, just innately, the human condition is like, we should probably go take something sharp and spear that fish. <laughs> Get John Sturgeon spearing. <laughs> We're going to make that happen. We got yeah. a year or so until that comes back around, but we, uh, we're going to do another I yeah. will. I would encourage people who are like you on spring break. They're leaving. They're doing whatever. They got to get it. Mm -hmm. Wherever you are, you're going to see Disney Orlando because right now I'm still a company man, or whatever. You're going to the Outer Banks. When people go, "Where are you from?" blah blah, and they say, "Well, why are you here?" Don't say spring break. Say, "Well, the the sturgeon spearing season is just terrible," and then explain to them what it is and, <laughs> and just watch their reaction. It was a warm year. We couldn't spear the sturgeon this right, year, so we're getting out of time. is not. The season's terrible. We had to get out, so we just came down here. Oh, really? What's sturgeon spearing? And then explain to them what sturgeon spearing is. And just, I mean, I think it's it's so entertaining to watch people as they, watch. one, think that it's not really a thing, you know? Yeah, yeah no, Thanks. we go out with the Krugs, actually, is who you do it with the cave people. And, and uh, yeah, so that would that's that's my number one thing. Yep. Got it. I'm, All right. Well, that I've we're going to make done. that your number one thing one of these years. That is happening. <laughs> All right.
back to Andrew Brandt. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Lane's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. My dad was in town this weekend for our end-of-year basketball tournament. It was fun to hang with him, lots of other relatives, my mom, my stepdad, some aunts and uncles, my Mm in-laws. But my dad and I had a conversation about fuel mileage, like like how many miles do you get per gallon out of a Jeep? And I, I said to him, these are things I never think about because I can't control it. I chose to buy this vehicle and I get crap right. gas mileage. But I did share with him about gas rewards from Festival Foods and Quick Trip and how I can save money. So therefore, maybe when I go to the Wine Spirits and I buy Miller Lite, right arm, Miller Lite, I don't worry about how many gas miles I get per gallon because I know I'm spending less than you anyway, and that's all that matters. Hmm. So I have a couple of quick thoughts on that because yeah. obviously Festival Foods, why not talk about gas? Because um, I was <laughs> thinking about um, what I should eat right now. I should not go to Festival Foods right now because you should never shop when you're hungry because right now I would wreck the place. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one, luckily, because of fuel mileage has become such a thing over the last 20, 30 years, I don't feel like I have to think about it because most cars right now are pretty good, right? There's not yeah. quite the gas guzzlers anymore when you're like, wow, I would love to have a you know, souped up Dodge Charger that is made of nothing but Detroit iron and get 13 miles to a gallon. <laughs> right. So I like to think that I have I've sublet all that to other people like, okay, this has got pretty good gas mileage, especially because what we used to drive in. The other thing is, could you quit parking that damn Jeep outside? Put it in the freaking garage. Okay. You and my neighbors, leave me alone, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, let's fight. Oh, man. Leave me out of this. All right. Free rewards just for shopping at Festival Foods. Foods. Festival Foods. Fill up the one point for every dollar spent, including beer, wine, and spirits. All you got to do is go into a store, grab this card. I got to check my. So now that I've made this public, that Amanda and I fight over how often we get the rewards. Sure. Yeah, she uses it way fast because she does grocery shopping. So exactly. Yeah. Yes, she should. Although you could put a lot of stuff in the back of that Jeep. Yeah. You know, but then you got to hope the weather's good when you carry it inside, (laughs) since it's not in the garage, just sitting out there like an eyesore. What the? Oh wow! (laughs) I want to get you. I feel like I may have poked at a wound. Stopping by the house and checking out the studio when you were here. So awesome (laughs) to see you. (laughs) <laughs> oh man save money on gas go to festival foods and pump up the savings with festival gas rewards all right we're back to wrap it up with andrew brandt here on the inside wisconsin show trevor john a couple for me and then john takes and runs with this thing i wrote down nfl draft could you ever have imagined back when you started with the packers that the nfl draft would land here in green bay <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's the evolution of the business of sports where leagues are rewarding owners, especially a team like Green Bay that will not get a Super Bowl. I'm sorry to say that. That's never going to happen. I know never's a long time, but they can reward teams in other ways. And this is perfect to have a draft there. You know, I think about, again, it sounds like so long ago. It wasn't that long ago. We had a draft start Saturday morning and go all the way. And now it's a three-day affair and it's become a huge mark on the calendar, not just in the NFL, but all sports. But no, I could not think of that at the time where Green Bay is actually going to have a draft. I think it'll be great. You know, what the NFL's done with the draft, I went to one in Philadelphia. It's just people can't get enough of this stuff. It's, it's great. 
Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And then you mentioned it that the Packers were apparently never going to leave, which is news to us because, boy, it sure seemed like the Packers were going to leave if that sales tax didn't go through, right? If you had to pick a name, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Harlan, Wolf, or Holmgren, where do you think the brunt of the credit lies with who the Packers, I guess, have become today? Well, I never worked with the third one. He came in. He left as I came in, uh, in Holmgren. But I just feel like the combination of, of Bob – leaving football alone and trusting people to do the right thing, which is again, what I've expressed to you about Ron and Ted doing the same with me, letting me handle my lane and trusting you have good people to handle these things. Um, And I think Ron understanding how to build a team and everything then has been a, an outcropping of that. Ted is a Ron disciple. Brian is a Ted disciple. Brian was a Ron disciple. It's just, again, when I talk about the Packer way, it's the same people over and over again. I worked with a scouting staff that included four, five future GMs with Ted, with Reggie McKenzie, with John Schneider, with John Dorsey, with Elliot Wolf, with Alonzo Highsmith. These are people where, you know, that there's some real talent and they, they find it and they know how to deal with it. All right, I'm going to fire these off quick, okay? Uh, we can uh, – you just kind of pop what pops into your head and, and let us know as we go through these quick ones here. Yeah. Uh, first off, since you're an academic, give me the f- most useful class you took in college that's helped your job. Public speaking. I, uh, I didn't know what it was. First class, they say, okay, impromptu, Brant, you're up. <laughs> like, and I said – you need to be prepared in life because otherwise you find yourself in situations like this where you have nothing to say. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was public speaking. Very good. Uh, appropriate percentage of my salary cap I should spend on my starting quarterback. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously depends on age um, because you get this Brock Purdy benefit. The 49ers are going to get yep. yet another year, but assuming they're a veteran, I mean, if they're making 40 million, and the cap is 260, that's uh, whatever the percentage is. Okay. Listen, I paid Brett Favre $10 million a year on a cap that was 60. So what's that 12%? That, no, that's uh, – <laughs> yeah, that's – 10 million 60? Yeah, that's 160. Just under 20, yeah. Under 20, yeah. Okay. So I was paying more then than they are now probably. Uh, where do you, where it, let's, let's, I'm going to put you back on the other side of the table. Where's the, where do the numbers and years start with Jordan Love? You know, I did this, this deal that he's on now that was really a risk for the Packers and somewhat of a risk for him. And he obviously performed and, and just, mm-hmm. he put the cards on the table and did it. So I don't think it's going to be in the, again, these deals are hard to value. That's part of my job, valuing what the real deal is, the, mm-hmm. The, the Jalen Hurts and the Joe Burrows, I don't think it's going to be that level, but I think it's going to be close. So, uh, you know, if those are 44, 45 a year, maybe it's high 30s. And at his age, how deep were you willing to go? I mean, in terms of useful years, because I know you might void things on the end and stuff. Like what's Yeah, that's these contracts are, you know, they go out long term, but they're not guaranteed. I mean, the market seems to be three years guarantees is it. There, no one's doing Deshaun Watson deals anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, three years fully guaranteed and hopefully as many years as the Packers can get non-guaranteed. <laughs> uh, flag football in the Olympics in 28, you like that or you dislike that? That's fun. I mean, I think it's interesting where you have Gronk and Tyreek Hill coming out saying they'll play. Who knows what they're <laughs> going to look like in 2020, especially Gronk. Is he going to be able to walk with let alone run? So. Uh, I've read your story about how you were on the phone with uh, with Aaron Rodgers and his agent during the draft. But if not Aaron, who would it have been? It was a tough time. I've told the story that there was no one up there with a first-round grade besides Aaron. And mm-hmm. we had coaches that wanted to dip in the second-round grades and take a defensive player. And I I sided with management. I'm like, what do we always say? Trust the board. If we take a second-round grade here – we're deflating this this whole scouting staff because they spent six months on the road. That's the guy we take. And if we didn't, the part I also told John was that we let, as I was holding that phone, everyone's looking at me and I'm looking at the TV and him holding the phone to me. And we had that, we had 12 minutes where that phone never rang. Mm-hmm. If that phone rang with an offer, who knows? Aaron Rodgers would be somewhere else, but that phone never rang. So I don't think we would have dipped in our second round. So, I think we would have traded it, if anything. Love, Romo, those are all, or excuse me, Love and Aaron are great success stories right now. Tell me about Tony Romo when you brought his name up. End of the draft is chaos. All the undrafted players. It wasn't me, some scouts standing around in the middle of that chaos. Anybody want to sign this Tony Romo? He's from Wisconsin. He's a Brett fan. Crickets. Crickets. (laughs) Nobody wanted. We signed some no-name quarterback to be our third string. Um, Um, Yeah. Give me the next NFL city that's going to get an expansion franchise. I don't know who's left. Um, Okay. It's not going to be St. Louis. It's not going to be San Diego. Um, God, I just guessed like Austin. Okay. Oh, that'd be fun. And finally, uh, because I know we're up against the clock, because I feel like this could be a show in itself, uh, but I'd love your best Barcelona dragon story. <laughs> I'll give you my best Barcelona, then I'll tell you another inside Wisconsin story about a Packer fan that you'll love. Barcelona, so many stories. Um, first touchdown. First of all, first game, Thankfully, 15,000 showed up. That's what we promised the NFL. They do. It's all young people. They're having a party. They're fun. Football looks kind of squirrely. First half, no one scores. Second half, we get the ball. We hit our tight end on a seam pattern. He breaks three tackles, 70-yard touchdown. I'm jumping up and down. This is awesome. And the whole crowd is like this polite golf applause. And then our extra point comes on. Kicker comes on, kicks the extra point. They go nuts. (laughs) They go nuts. And I'm like, oh, my God, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, we They cheered at the wrong times. They did the wave the entire game. They did the Olay song the entire game. We had one Spanish player named Cisco. They chanted, we want Cisco the whole second half. Uh, it was an adventure. They were putting up goalposts in the corners of the end zone. I had to bribe customs many times to get our equipment. Um, I never could get enough food. I had to put night tables with pillows at the end of each bed. That was an adventure. I'll tell you a quick uh, Packer story that you call this inside Wisconsin. This is this just strikes me. One year, I never took vacation before training camp like everyone else because I was the guy in the office doing the contracts, making sure everything's set. Finally get everyone signed at training camp. 
I make sure everything was settled for a couple of days. Then I go off on vacation. I had a place up in Door County. So I go up there. I go to this beautiful dunes beach on the lakeside one day because I'm just getting away. Uh, I think it was called Whitefish Dunes or something like that. And it is beautiful. And I'm soaking up the August weather with my son. It's just the two of us in our swim trunks. And then I get a call from the office. We're making a trade. We're, we're down so many tight ends. We need a tight end. We're trading for this Bobby Collins tight end from Buffalo Bills. I said, all right, what are we trading? Well, we're going to trade one of our D linemen. That's kind of, we have a surplus. We're going to trade David Bowens. I said, okay. And I'm the guy that handles the trade with the bills and the league and processes everything. I feel very kind of uh, personal that I have to do that. So that's fine. I'll do it. I'm doing it from the beach. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my phone cuts out, gone, dead, dead. So I look around. There's no one around. I look up the hill in the dunes, and there's a little ranger shack. So I get my son, Sam. We trudge up there, and there's a ranger sitting at the desk with a phone. And I say, listen, um, I'm with the Green Bay Packers. I'm making a trade. Can I use your phone? <laughs> he looks at me like, what the Who the F are you? Are you kidding me? You can't use my phone. And then I try again. I'm Andrew Brown with the Green Bay Packers. We're making a trade with the Buffalo Bills, and I need to get it done in the next 15 minutes. He says, no, no. He's looking at me in our swim trunks like, no. And then I got nervous. I got, uh, I, I said, I got to try to do something here. So I go up to his desk. I put my hands on his desk, and I say, listen, we're trading David Bowens to the Buffalo Bills for Bobby Collins we need to, I need your phone right now, or this doesn't happen. And I knew I had him when he looks at me and he says, very sheepishly, he says, we're trading Bowens. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, if you let me use your phone. And he says, why are we trading Bowens? He's good. <laughs> and I said, I'll tell you in a minute, just let me use your phone. And he does. And he pushes the phone over I make the call. I'm doing all this stuff. He's got this big grin on his face that he's part of this. And then I tell him that we had to trade Bowens because we're down a tight end. We needed, we have a surplus at D line. <laughs> he's like, we just traded Bowens. I'm like, yes, we traded. He goes like, if I see this in the paper, like that's just happened. I'm like, yes. <laughs> he goes, and I said, listen, I'll come by tomorrow and I'll have the paper. He goes, Oh my God, that's so great. He goes, are you going to say where you did this deal? I'm like, no, <laughs> but it was just clear that there's a Packer fans are a special breed. Cause he's like looking at me like we're trading, we're trading bones. <laughs> that is, I mean, what a great, what a, what a, what a good closer you are right there with Andrew Brandt. Yeah. that's. Uh, we appreciate your time. I know it was short today, but we, we, we thank you for carving some of that out. It's great to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank you for Charles Woodson. Oh, <laughs> my toughest, that was my toughest signing because uh, we talk about Green Bay. You know, it was not something somewhere he wanted to go. Well, <laughs> so. did you say we have that in common? But that's okay. So <laughs> anyway, uh, good luck to you. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thank you, guys. I have been to that ranger shack.
<laughs> have you? I yes, it's at Whitefish Dune State Park, yeah. Door County. That leads up to Cave Point. I think it's called beautiful mm-hmm. bluffs along the lake and all the rocks. And I've I have there. literally I, walked. I know it. I just haven't been to the Ranger Shack. I have. You just go in there yeah. and kind of, hey, what do I need to know here? It, that is insanity. But and you the, didn't make any trades, know. right? When you went there, you didn't. You didn't make. No, any I didn't trade. make any trades. But you know how bad I want to track down that ranger? Like, we got to figure out who that was. He'd be a good, yeah, he would be a good little slice of cheese to throw into this show. And <laughs> as always, honestly, you're like, okay, how long should this show be? How much time are we asking of people? Because you're like, I have 50 more questions right? about the Packers, about the business, about certain players. You know, like I just, it's it, it's kind of what I said. Like, I, I don't know why it is so fascinating but it is. And you're like, it could be boring. It's just, you know, it's a little money here. It's money there. And yet for some reason, like 40 times and how many you can bench press, how many times you can bench press 20, 225 pounds. Like you're just, oh, I'm, I'm just here for it. I'm yeah. just here for it. Is it more popular? Is it, do, do we digest it in a different way as Packer fans versus the, the other national teams that have owners and all this, or is it equal across the board? No, I th- I think oh, I mean just judging from where I sit, which is a a, a show that runs nationally, right? Is no people all over wow. want to know about it. I think what's different about the Packers is you can go to Dallas and they Jerry Jones is readily available, and he's like, "Well, we we will get this done. I'm going to get this done," or you know, and sometimes he talks his poor people into a corner, you know. <laughs> And there's, you know, the closest we come is every once in a while, you know, somebody saying, well, we, you know, we hope to resign him or we want to do this. But like when some of those other owners just put the hands, put the, put the hammer down, you get it done. So I don't know. I think it's just universal in terms of um, what it is and how many people that I talk to, um, whether it's the Packers or other teams. And there's like, well, you know, we're just getting killed by that contract. And this, like people know, people know that, that, Aaron Rodgers had more, you know, was the highest paid guy for the Packers. You know, his salary cap number was the biggest one of the Packers. Um, you don't play fantasy football, do you? I don't because I refuse to draft players from teams that I would have yeah. to, that are going to play against the Packers. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I'm going to draft Kirk Cousins and root for him. No. No. <laughs> yeah, can't do it. Nope. These are things I that can't do it either, which is probably why, I, see, I, that's exactly why I suck as a GM. Uh, yeah, if you well, need advice on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, B R A N D T, it is an awesome follow. Yeah. Almost a, a quarter of a million people dig what he's doing on the national level in regards to the business of sports. He's got a podcast. <laughs> Literally, we could spend another 15 minutes telling you all the things that he does. Yeah. That but, and, and that funny, actor. right? On that site, he just, even this, the simplest tweets are, are stuff that all of a sudden can lead you down a rabbit hole, right. you know? Because it, it may not be about your team. It just could be in general. And also, you're like, oh, I got to see what that is, you know? Every um, time he tweets, there will be lawyers. I'm like, well, I'm done for 10 minutes. What's this about? Yeah. But I'm, you know, like, oh, cool. Voidable years. Who doesn't want to Who doesn't want to talk about that? You know? Who doesn't, who doesn't want to talk about kicking down the salary cap thing down the, you know, escalators? Ooh, I can't wait for performance escalators. <laughs> Terrible. So fun. Well, speaking of things that people care about, you fit the bill, my my man. So John Wisconsin is different for this episode. I'm super excited about this. Let's let's set this up. You were able to to come back to Green Bay, come home, see your mom, hang yep. out with some buddies, and you gave the show 
a solid eight hours of your time and we followed you around we drove around town and hit hit your your home hit some spot school and i know that you were hesitant to do it but tell us real quick kind of what it was like for you before we jump into this to to literally do what we did what everybody's about to see um, well, again, uh, it's, it's, we're, we're talking about my favorite subject in life, which of course is me, cause I'm just that <laughs> selfish and vain. No. Uh, so we went around, listen, we, we, there were, could have been, the problem is I, I lived there so long and I feel like I'm so invested. Like we could have visited 50 places sure. that I think yeah. are special to me. Right. Like that's kind of the hard part when I go home, right there, I can't, you can't always see everybody and you can't always go to all the places you want to go and you can't eat all the places you want to eat. Although, Aren't you happy to have your first trip to Al's Hamburgers? Big fan. We featured You're a better man fan. for it, aren't you? Yes, I am. You're a better <laughs> man for it. You'll rethink it next time you want to go over to the Drift Inn or go over to Kroll's. You're going to go, hey, you know what? We could go out of Al's down there on Washington Street. Um, so that was amazing. And then just to, uh, um, you know, I, I drive by my house that I grew up in all the time with the kids. Oh, there it is, you know, and, and there's the neighbors are still there. So we'll go see the neighbor people when I'm back. Right. I went home and with my mom and we had to take the 95 year old uh, Mrs. Carrick had to take her to the, to the doctor for a little PT. Like I'm in, I still go see those people. So I go by it a lot. Um, but it, it really, you know, it's really uh, <clears throat> stop and visit the place, but we got a chance to do that. Yeah. Got to plant. Uh, I'm going to, I hope people enjoy me pummeling your car uh, with <laughs> snowballs. It's good to see that yeah. the arm still got a little good, you know, uh, go over yeah. there. young. Yeah. Go back to see uh, Southwest. It just it touches you in so many places, um, you know, and just about the time I think, gosh, I'm so far removed because I'm out here 1,100 miles away in Connecticut. Um, and then you realize you're really not. Like, you're just never, ever disconnected from the place. Yeah, there is no removal from it. No, you're just, you, you know, it literally is. You can, you know, you can take the boy out of Wisconsin. You can't take Wisconsin out of the boy, right? Like, it's just... Some people, some people claim to, you know, you cut me and I bleed orange or I, ble- you know, whatever the thing, not me, you cut me and it just oozes out, you know, queso. Queso and cheese. So awesome. Uh, but right. it was great fun. And I appreciate everybody indulging me and um, people are going to see this and uh, I don't know, hopefully they'll just, they'll relate in some way, shape or form that we all have had uh, common experiences as a Wisconsinite. And, and then uh, depending on how it's fully cut, uh, don't ever bring Trevor to try to break into a swimming pool because he'll screw it up. Yep. I, I crushed it. You'll see. All right. <laughs> a special edition of Deeper Roots with Blaine's Farm right. and Fleet. This is the John Wisconsin episode. Check it out. We are on our way to pick up the one and only John Anderson. He is home. This is home. I know he's he lives in Connecticut right now, right? That whole ESPN thing. And we are going to take a tour of John Anderson's old stomping grounds, where it all began for him. Farmers, brewers, hunters, packers, badgers, cheeseheads, neighbors. No matter what name we go by, we are bound together by our roots. These are the people, the stories, and the statriotism from inside Wisconsin. Welcome to Deeper Roots with Blaine's Farm and Fleet. It's kind of fun to bring John Wisconsin to life. It <laughs> is. Except I don't live here. I don't know what this, I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> I don't, and you never lived like, here. No, this is where my mom lives. Like, how'd you end up here again without going super deep? I was a little more than a year old, not quite a year and a half. My father had passed away and my mom decided that 
Um, even though all her, all our relatives were in Iowa, she thought she needed a new start. We had had some really good friends that had been our neighbors in Mason City, Iowa. They were Green Bay natives and they had moved back because they'd started that new Sears store. The new Sears, which is now gone, and so then she at least knew somebody, and that's how she decided to up and move. And so my mom built that house in 68, maybe, 69. You tell stories of being able to hear Lambeau Field from here, right? Yeah, yeah, you could hear the cheers. You could get on the roof, like over here, it's not very tall, so you can literally jump up, at least I could. <laughs> yeah, you could. Hang on the roof, swing your leg up, and boom, you get up there, so you take a chair, and you just go sit on top and listen, you'd have the radio, something great would happen. And then you literally go one, two, three, and by four, <sighs> then you'd hear the cheer. Interesting. So it was amazing. So where I grew up, we had a hill just like this. Yep. We used to take our bikes and send them down. Now this time of year, what you did is you'd wait, because that by that light post was a city bus stop. Okay. That was the only city bus stop till you got down this way. So now you would weigh and wait when it would come, and it came every 30 minutes. Sure and you'd throw snowballs at it. It's a big diesel bus at the time or whatever. Yeah. So it's not very fast. So you could hit the side of it easy. So <laughs> then it was like, could you lob it so that the guy would drive into it? Right, oh. there were more points. There were extra points for that. <laughs> I am gonna be the city bus. Anything for the show. Oh boy. <clears throat> oh. One for one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also learned to do this when we were kids. How was that? You should have heard the thud in here on the windshield. Part of me thought, holy crap, like we're going to have to have It's a good thing. arm though, right? Like I still, I got it measured out. You never, it's <laughs> you, 60 feet, six inches is like a universal distance. You hit it the first time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was like, all right, one for one. All of a sudden, bam, and the windshield up, two for two. But off camera, uh, for privacy respectful reasons, you just got to go back in to your parents' house. Unbelievable. I think that's the first time I've set foot in it since 1981. The people were pulling out, and and they and so I just rolled down, asked them to roll down the window to say like, hey, I'm not a stalker, I'm not casing the joint, uh, but my mother built this house. They were good people, and they were, and then they were headed to the grocery store. I think that's the best part about that is they could have received that in a completely different way because we were outside of their house for quite some time. I went in, and like the house is, I mean, they painted over some stuff, but they can't move with the floor plan. Kitchen's right where the kitchen's supposed to be. The living room's supposed to be where the living room is. There's the fireplace and the master bedroom, which is my parents. There's a young man. He's probably 10 or 11 in there now. Um, they have taken out the astronaut wallpaper, which is a little disappointing. What about growing up in Green Bay made you want to be a journalist? I kind of spilled into the journalism because I didn't know, having grown up with relatives that were A, farmers, or B, my dad's construction business, I kind of knew what that was. I watched guys like John Campbell or Bill Jarts or at the time at WFRV uh, there was a guy named Jim Klein. So all these guys that I watched, Daryl Burnett at WOUK, like look at that, I know them all. These like these were the voices of my childhood. These were the ones I liked. And so I thought I would like to do that. And then somebody said, well, you got to go get a journalism degree. That's a journalism. And I'm like, okay, good. Once I got to J school, that was a, a revelation as well because you're like wait there's all kinds of jobs within the job at the NBC station then I did which is owned by the university but I did sports on Saturday on Saturdays there you know it was staffed by students but I also learned that wow you could be a photographer and you can be a producer and all those things like sometimes I think people uh, wonder if you just parachuted into ESPN so like when I started my first job I was a I was a news photographer 
I was carrying the camera and I worked my way back in front of the camera sort of by accident. I would be willing to bet that that's hard for some people that see you on SportsCenter to connect. One night on SportsCenter I did a um, lead in about something about Favre and his interceptions and how every once in a while he'd get a little loose with it. Something about there's no truth that he once threw one so bad it went out of the stadium and hit a guy filling up with his gas at Bob's <laughs> filling station across the street. And then Bob and his group were really excited because, you know, some idiot had named him on TV. Memory serves me right. That's how people made the connection from the ESPN world to Green Bay. Because I just kept saying stupid things about Green Bay that only somebody from Green Bay would know. Because yeah, when somebody, I think it was, it might have been Tony Bennett or somebody made a three-point. I said, oh. And I said, he made that from roughly the same spot as I received my high school diploma, which was not incorrect, right? We used to all graduate right. here at the, at, the, at the old arena. That was the first time somebody connected that of the millions of John Andersons out there, it's very common. I went to school here. Right now we're on our way to Southwest High School. I'm gonna call Amy, the athletic director, when we pull in. I'm gonna preface this. When we called- You're not happy about me? Oh no, she's, there's no, uh, there's nothing bad at all. However- Okay, good. I told her that you know how to break into the pool. And she said, I hope he can still do that so that I can fix it. Because apparently, Kids breaking into the pool is one of her biggest fears. Does it look the same? Does it feel the same? It looks exactly the same. This over here is always one of, that's where the, the chorus rooms are. Mm -hmm. And the chorus teacher when I was here was John Anderson, okay. Mr. Anderson. And so I had the old pink passes and I could just write A-N-D and get out. He had a, well, and he, he wrote left-handed, which I could do that so I could mimic it. But on open lunch hour, we try to get all the way down to Al's on Washington and pick it up. And so if we were late, we'd just sign ourselves. And then we found out that Mr. Anderson liked Al's too. So if we just brought him a burger, we could show up as late as we want. We're hitting Al's later, he for sure. He was great. Class of 83. John was a track athlete yeah. and a high jump standout. I was. I was good at the high jump. Six foot eight. That's 80 inches, by the way. You know how else you figure it out? Every door jam you go through is usually six You're eight. telling me. I ducked. There you go. Presently, he's the co-host of Wipeout. Yeah. Well, some of those shows get canceled. <laughs> I have a Sharpie. I, I could make some amendments to that. You could just put in there, you know, a few Emmys in there now. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got some other stuff. John, did you say your name was up there on the on the high jump? Six eight and a quarter. Six eight, yeah. Do you know six, when this guy did it? Did you find out? My buddies were more than happy that we're still down because I was still in college. It sent me that. I'll just say this: by that time, I had jumped seven foot, so I boom didn't, didn't hurt me as bad. I would like to see if you can still break into the pool. Yeah, just a little number two, a Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil, yeah. which is available in English teacher Jenny Jagir's supply closet in her classroom. And you got some of those. You basically just kind of slid it down in here and let it go, right? Now that one's been crashed. It holds it open, so you just come in, kick it, and come right out. It was that simple. There I'm getting my degree. Look, right there, where Tony made the shot from right about there. So that's the very, we told the story on the way here that the world found out you were from Green Bay on SportsCenter when you said. Tony Bennett made a shot and I said, he oh. made that shot. I said, like within a foot of where I got my high school diploma. You know, the one thing I never got to do was write for the student newspaper. I always wanted to write sports for the student. I didn't have the, my English grades weren't great enough. To. How funny is that? Mr. Sports Center wasn't good enough to write for the sports section? It's good, we've, we've, what, we've gone in there and we've uh, helped with the juvenile delinquency rate because people now will not be able to break in. Although apparently, as we were leaving, she goes, it's actually all wired, we get you now. What sticks out to you the most? Was there a thing or a place? You go into the smell of the natatorium, which is always kind of like, oh yeah, that's, that's distinct because you don't, 
have it all the time. Even just peeking our head in the auditorium was amazing. Seeing that Mark Bro still has the long jump record is crazy. Couldn't find a guy to jump longer than that. It's 1973. So we saw where you grew up. You even got to go inside. You pelted my car with snowballs. And then we went to Southwest. You told us all the stories in Java, How good Wisconsin. is my arm? Pretty uh, good. That was nice. I don't think the windshield cracked. No, we're good. No, I worried about that one. We delayed it and they got a little tight. How do you look back at Green Bay? And I know that you said it it really shaped you into yeah. who you were that helped propel you to ESPN. I don't see, that's the thing, right? We all just ran together and some people's dads were cops, some people's dads were teachers. My dad worked in a hole, hole in the ground. No, seriously, I know right? So everybody did that and we all went to school. And we all did the same thing. I just think the job I do is that happens to be the job I do. Um, and maybe may, and maybe that's the way I view that is because of the way I grew up here. And I feel this is exactly like when we used to make our lunch runs when we were in school. We'd bolt out of Southwest and we would try to get down here to Al's Hamburgers on Washington Street and order it because you couldn't call ahead and pick up. That wasn't a thing. Sure. And then order it and get in the car and all the way back. But, it's under new ownership. You know, it burned down a few years ago. I texted you and said, bad news, Al's Hamburgers is on fire. And your response was? Get down there with a bucket, right? Don't grab a bucket. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, what are you texting me for? Get down there and start bailing, man. What are exactly. you doing? Uh, by the way, it's the original Smash Burger, right? They just took a hunk of meat and then they just pounded it yes. out. And then they, you want onions? Yes, so they'll pound them right in there. I am beyond hungry. I cannot wait to. When's I, the last time you've eaten there? Um, Have you ever eaten there? Never. Oh, wow, that's too bad. And it used to be there. I was signing here and said, like, occupancy 27 in the back. This, not 80 inches, in case you're wondering. Hello. Oh, look at that. How great is that? Oh, that's amazing. Look at this. Now we're on our way to Southwest High School. Hey, you're going the wrong way. We're going to go left. Why do I think it's that way? If you're trying to take the longest route possible, congratulations, you're right there. Good old fashioned bubbler. In Boston. Um, I just literally jumped. Uh, Did you see this thing? All these places and stories that you keep telling us, I don't really have a way of seeing any of that. They're all just bald faced lies. I'm just yeah, trying good. to see what I can make up. That was a special one. It was so awesome to have John back here in Wisconsin and talking to us around his old stomping grounds. We came, we saw, he chucked a few snowballs, no windshields were busted, we're good. We also hit up an amazing burger joint, you know the one, Al's Hamburgers in downtown Green Bay. If you want to follow in John's high school footsteps as well, you got to get over there. These burgers were absolutely incredible. I'll tell you where else to go, our website. Fill out the form to become our next Deeper Roots guest, just like John. We're always looking for a great story to tell, so if it's yours, get a hold of us. Farmandfleet.com slash Deeper Roots. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, and let us know what you loved about the episode in the comments below if you're watching here on YouTube or any of the other social channels. And if you're listening to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, would you please? We appreciate it. All right, that's it for our special John Wisconsin episode of Deeper Roots. We'll see you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville.
Shut up and sit down.